Coming up on this episode, we begin by discussing overly complicated smart homes with the uses of a doorman and why retro computers should make a comeback. Then we discuss the speedy new drives in the PS5 and Xbox Series 10 and share some great picks. Stick around, it all starts right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 277, recorded June 8th, 2020, deep in the file archives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Don't Panic, the podcast that covers Will Smith's discography from start to finish, determining if it truly is the Willennium. I'm Sean Jennings. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be going through uh, his 1998 hit single, Miami, and asking the ultimate question, is it really the city where the heat is on? I'll be joined, as always, by Colby Rabideau and Dan Miller. Gentlemen, good day. I feel like I've walked into one of your other shows somehow. Yeah, this is so I've run out of so in the history of the show, I've done like three or four different opening bits for a while. It was, you know, the 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 uh, blank and blank of technology. I did that for for years. It was that. And I ran out. So I think my new bit's going to be a fake show at the beginning of every episode where I'm going to (laughs) say it's it's the podcast where and it's going to be something totally insane. I can see how long Matt doing an episode on the Will Smith discography. I pitched uh, a up for debate idea where I wanted to do a bracket where on the left side was Will Smith's songs and on the right was Will Smith's movies and we determined the best of each and then they battle each other to determine is Will Smith a better actor or musician and that was not accepted so uh, that well maybe I'll save it for Sean Tember we'll see <laughs> Look, mark your calendars it's coming uh, it can't come soon enough honestly it it can't. If we if we ever get through Rocky, eventually we'll get there. Um, but anyway, no, we're here to talk about technology and other shenanigans, and we've got some fun stuff going on. What's what's new, gentlemen? What's new? Uh, I did a bunch of smart home stuff last weekend. I can so I I don't think I think a couple weeks ago weekends ago I did the home bridge thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have Homebridge set up with these uh, little RF dongles that, that send uh, codes to my air conditioners. Uh, so that works. It's a it's a little bit... It's one of those things, Colby will know what I'm talking about, where like you, you look up like, oh yeah, how do I get this like weird Chinese RF thing to work in Homebridge? And, and you read, like, you go to the first GitHub repo, and then you realize that that one has like 300 forks, so and a lot of which are ahead of this one. So then that means, oh, okay, so people made changes to this. So it was a lot of finding the right fork that actually works. Um, but I, I can link all these things. I found the one that actually works. This is the uh, Broadlink RM Mini. Did I? I didn't pick this previously, did I? I don't think so. Not to my memory. Um, let me make sure I get the the name of the thing right. Uh, so I got that hooked up to Homebridge, which was relatively easy and straightforward. And the, I, I got that working a couple weeks ago. And then uh, Lena asked, hey, could we make it so that if, you know, the temperature is above a certain threshold, that it turns off? And I was like, of course we could. So I ordered temperature sensors. And then she was like, can we also make it so that it turns off the, like, at a certain time at night. I was like, I, I assume so. Uh, so I got these temperature sensors, which I'll, I'll also link. Uh, IR Home Hub 2, Broadlink RM Mini 3. I don't know which one of those it is. 
Uh, but that's the name of my the uh, RF thing. Uh, and then we got the uh, the Hue. So Hue makes a thing called a motion sensor. Yeah. Which also has a temperature sensor in it, but it's not advertised in the package at all. Um, so got all that stuff. But then I'm in the home app, and I'm trying to. What I wanted to say was, if the temperature is above a certain number of degrees, and the uh, and the air conditioner is not on, which is very important because otherwise, if you turned it on, it would turn it back off. Uh, and it's like during the day, then turn off the air conditioner because they like to keep the air conditioner off at night. But there's no way in in home the home app to set these like compound conditions. Yep. Uh, and was it you, Sean, who recommended this Home Plus app? Mm, nope. Uh, oh, crap. Maybe maybe I'm getting it wrong. Because I never found a way. I always ran into that problem, too, with my smart home stuff, was, was as soon as you added a second or third element, it kind of fell apart. So if you have a solution, I'm very excited to hear it. Yes, I just can't remember. I can't find that. They app all that... have the most generic names. Oh, good. Right, I installed this on my iPad. Um, do, 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 do. It is called Eve. Eve Home. Uh, I think Home Plus also came highly recommended, but that costs money. Eve Home is free. Uh, and this allows you to do that kind of stuff. So you can make a... Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see, can I actually, now I totally forget how this works. Automation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So these things called rules. I don't know, can, anyone, can you see that? Probably yeah. not. No, we can see uh, it. So you can add a rule, and the rules basically like, you, you set your triggers, your conditions, and your scene. So a trigger could be like a time of day, or if someone comes home, or a switch turns on. Conditions are all that stuff. And then scenes are home kit scenes. So everything has to result in a home kit scene, which is kind of annoying. But I was able to do it all. I was even able to do the complicated one where it's like, if it is, if when the clock strikes midnight and the air conditioner is on and there's no motion in the living room, turn the living room air conditioner off. Uh, which is pretty cool. So yeah, all that stuff works. Uh, actually, I haven't, it hasn't gotten hot enough to test that that automation actually works, but I, <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> that's cool yeah so now i feel like i'm living the dream uh i could also do things those uh the yeah the sensor i got that's supposed to be a motion sensor but is also a temperature sensor from the light bulb people yep help me out sean what are those people the, the, the phillips the fine folks at phillips you. the phillips you yeah it also has a light sensor so you can also use it to control things by how bright it is in the room i don't know uh i don't know what you'd use that for Ooh. well that's like your you automated turn blinds. the lights off on when it gets dark when it gets dark aha uh -huh. yeah, yeah yeah like i have that set up to to tap in at sunset but like depending on the the weather outside that or is depending like... on if you have your your blinds open or closed exactly um yeah so the the home app doesn't the way it presents the uh, the motion sensors is like pretty yeah, it's, rudimentary. It's very bad. Um, and the home app doesn't let you trigger on temperature at all. So the thing that I didn't realize about these alternative HomeKit apps is that they will let you trigger on things that HomeKit 
doesn't or the home app doesn't. So even though you can't actually make a rule that uh, operates on temperature or light in the home app, you can with Eve and with Home Plus and stuff like that. Now, the thing that really blows my mind is that all of these things show up in the home app. They're all synced into the home app, even though I made them in a different app, and I don't understand oh. how that's possible. But that's nice, because then it's on, if you have people in your household, it's on their phones, it's on all of your other devices. That's cool. Yeah, so I have the I, Eve app because I think I bought an Eve device one time. <laughs> um, but I didn't know it did all that stuff. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty nice for a free app. It's great. That's cool. Dan, my, my question for you was yes. this motion sensing temperature reader. Yeah. Is it battery powered or does it plug in somehow? It is battery powered, but it's just powered by a regular AAA battery, I think. Uh, the small ones the small ones yeah i know <laughs> but from what i read it lasts for years uh, uh so it shouldn't be that bad okay but, i can yeah. laugh at that now, i had next... so ahead. i i bought i have the, the eve thing that i bought was a temperature sensor but it uses the little like flat disc battery oh yeah and it only la it only lasts for like two or three months i'm like I don't know what I was thinking. Because, like, I'm not going to buy disc batteries. They come in two packs. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. But maybe I'll give that a try. Um, yeah, let me make sure I'm speaking correctly about these. Uh, yeah. Dan, I think the, the thing I was, so I was just on Hugh's website because I forgot about these motion sensors. I wanted to put one back in my last condo. I wanted to get one for my garage um, when I pulled the car in. Um, it would trigger stuff. But um, but I did, I was just reminded that Hugh put out not too long ago the HDMI sync box. I think this is your next thing you got to get where it syncs your TV up to your lights. It doesn't sound at all appealing to me, but people seem really into it. it like, sell me on this. I, I oh, don't I, get it. I think it's, first of all, don't look on the site. How much would you pay for the Philips Hue Play HDMI sync box? It syncs the lights with your home theater. Uh, how, how much would you pay for that? I would pay $100. So generous. I, I know, but these things usually cost a lot. I, I am a pretty big home junk spender and even i was blown away that this thing cost 230 dollars oh my god that's shocking um no uh. this this honestly i wouldn't buy this i think this is too far for a small i think this is completely unnecessary i just think it's funny because could you could you imagine going to someone's house and be like hey you want to put on the game and he puts on like the lights all come down and like start i mean it's terrifying kind of cool but it yeah it doesn't like I, when I watch something I really care about, there there are two ways I watch TV with the lights, all the lights on, uh, and at which point I'm watching it casually, and often it means that I'm doing something else, mm -hmm. uh, or with uh, all the lights off because I'm trying to like really watch it. And so it sounds like this wouldn't, and and if all of your lights are off, your room is flooded with the colors of the TV, anyways. Right. I, well, I think that's the idea. Is you're enhancing the flooded colors. Mm, but so it's like you're in the movie. The colors are all around you. But that's not what you're looking at. 
<laughs> and then during the day, it wouldn't do anything at all. You wouldn't be able to see it at all. Well, yeah, this only does stuff when you're using your television. Yeah. Well, yeah, even if for you're video using games. your television. Even for video games, it might be cool. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't tried it. Maybe it's amazing. I don't know if the two of you remember, but I way back at the at the genesis of the don't panic show i had a thing a kickstarter thing i think that i backed that was like that but for your computer was it, it the, only the leds you'd like strapped to the back of the monitor yeah and i still i think i took the leds out but there are definitely there's definitely like sticky residue <laughs> from from that like i'm pulling some off right now yeah yeah it, it's still there it turns uh. out it wasn't that useful um, but that was the idea. It was like, oh, you play a game and it's like immersive. It was fine. Now, see, with that, uh, I could see that being useful for like notifications. Like you have a notification, the whole thing around your monitor is glowing. That'd be cool. Couldn't you have your, your lights do that? Like, if, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's possible. Called. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I forget what I was going to say. See, I think, Dan, I think you're ready in your smart home progression to go to the smart lock. But I live in an apartment. So? I don't think we can mo modify the front door. What are they going to do, stop you? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know how this works at other apartment buildings, but at our apartment building, like, the front desk has emergency keys. Uh, so if we change the lock, the emergency keys would no longer work, which would, I don't know if it's against the terms of living in this building, but it would also mean that we would have one fewer lifeline in case well, the do keys you, are forgotten. I, I guess that's the point of a smart lock, though, is you can't forget your keys. Do you have a, a single knob, or do you have a knob and a deadbolt? Uh, not, well, we have a door handle yeah i guess a knob and a deadbolt yeah yeah so you would just so they'd keep a key to the to the handle and then you just swap out the deadbolt hmm. interesting but then then i okay so the the problem is here's the thing i think is that having a doorman in a apartment building in new york city is is better than having a smart lock because <laughs> You, you can tell the door. Yeah, can, yes, and you can tell the doorman like, "Hey, so and so stopping by. Like the repairman stopping by. Let them into the to the thing." And I suspect that would be an easier transaction than screaming at someone over the internet with one of those video doorbell things or so making like pin numbers that people get. And so we so we we gotta take a step back here because I smart home I'm over that now we gotta talk about a doorman I've never lived in a place with a doorman this fascinates me as yeah. a as as I think most people would know I am a country bumpkin um and so I I know more about cows than I do about doormen so are you greeted by name as you enter the building is that how this works uh you you certainly certainly would be capable of doing that. Uh, but it's not like fancy in that way. Wearing a top hat and like no, and, no. no top hats in my building. Although those places certainly like exist. The the really fancy places, and you could tell this was especially the case during the virus, which is still ongoing. 
are the apartment building is where the, there's one doorman standing outside at all times, and then there's another doorman inside. We do not have that. <clears throat> I suspect there they would always greet you by, you know, Mr. Miss, Mrs. So-and-so. All right. Is that so? But do you have more questions? So they get the door for you. Is that the idea? Sometimes. No, but, but it's, not in the, in our case. it's in the name. I think that. I, I, yeah. Sometimes they do, depending on who you get, what kind of mood they're in. In, in my like, experience, what's what's the what's the lot of the format of the lobby of your building? So the format of the lobby of this building is that you there's a a uh, rotary door. What are those things called? Revolving door. Revolving door. Thank you. And to the left is the mail room. Uh, and to the right is a desk. Now with a giant, huge piece of plexiglass in front of it. Uh, and behind that desk, typically, is the doorman, although sometimes the doorman is milling about this, like, lobby area. There's a couple of couches. Uh, I think there's a painting. <clears throat> now, what are the, like, types of services you can ask your doorman to do? So you can say, you can, they have a computer system where you can, like, let someone in. So you can say, like, this person is visiting from these days to these days, and, uh, you know, they're allowed in and out. You can have you can leave stuff with them, and they'll give them to people if they stop by. Uh, they will mail packages. So, as like UPS or USPS comes by, you can leave your stuff with them, and they'll mail it. They'll receive all the packages, obviously, which is the the biggest day to day <laughs> importance of the mailman in this day and, or uh, doorman in this day and age. Uh, to to be honest, I have I have yet to really fully explore what what doors are open to me with a doorman now. No pun intended, because I I've only just started living here, and we're not in normal times. And the last time I had a doorman, I wasn't supposed to be living there, so mm. I, I tried to make as little Can use I, of their services as I could. Yourself, um, the, I mean, I think another interesting thing about. Uh, living in a fancy-ish apartment building that I didn't realize in my last place because I definitely didn't take advantage of this was having a handyman. That's a whole other mm. thing. A full-time uh, uh, handy guy? Oh. Who is kind of like the EMT of shit that can go wrong in your in your apartment. So can't necessarily fix everything, but is always the first person you can call to tell you like, oh yeah, go to the hardware store and get this part and then call me again. Or like you should contact a plumber or whatever. Mm. That's another, that's another big benefit. That was a, that was a thing that my last apartment that I lived at, they had, I don't know if you'd call it a handyman, but they had like two like full time maintenance people that did like all kinds of stuff. Like they would put up like curtains for you and like hang your pictures and like oh, that's nice. fix things. And like, yeah. So here's something that I, you know, didn't think about until the virus happened. Doorman are essential services. And I was like, well, why? And then I I thought about it and I was like, it would all break down if they weren't there. Like the infrastructure is not in place for them to not be there. I'm not sure if the door is locked. Like there is someone standing in front of it 24 hours a day. If the doors, even if the doors could lock, no one has keys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So how would you get in? Uh, 
like what would be the mail situation? Would would UPS just leave it out front and then everyone would have to go out to the sidewalk every day to get their mail? Like so it it is necessary. I'm not sure if it has to be necessary. Like I think you could come up with ways in which this would be mitigated, some sort of like one way huge bin that the UPS could put the packages in and you could kind of trust that people wouldn't steal stuff from within the building. Everyone could have keys to the front door, hypothetically. Yeah, I mean, I live in an apartment building where everyone has keys to the front door. Like, that's a that's a solvable problem. Right, but there's hundreds of people who live in this building, and no one has keys right now. So if the, if right. they were to say like there will be no more doorman, like yeah, you'd have to get. If you're keys. all just locked inside. Someone locks <laughs> the door from the outside. You just stay in there. <laughs> Right, or yeah, or would it would they only work during the day and then like yeah, what happens if someone has to go to the hospital? Yeah. Now, I knew somebody who grew up in Manhattan who lived in a building that didn't just have a doorman but also had an elevator operator. Yes. Because they had, had, they had an experience. old-timey elevator. Uh in my three two apartments ago, the the regular elevator was modern, but the service elevator was operated. But the, I think the regular elevator is also really old. It must have been one of the first ever automatic elevators. It broke down constantly. Like once a year, it would break for two months. Um, <laughs> and during those times, they had to hire someone who did not normally work at the building, special hire someone to sit in those elevators 24 hours a day and ferry people up and down. It was crazy. Yeah, Whoa. it was uh, it was very funny in Houston, you know, uh, obviously more spread out, ton of apartment complexes as far as the eye could see, but they all had like full time multi person leasing offices, and mm-hmm. each and they were and every apartment was the same with the leasing office, and they're, they're so funny because you could go and visit a row of them and they'd all be exactly the same, but where I lived, my leasing office was also the operations office for the complex. So you'd have to go in there to like get your packages and stuff like while like new people were in there like them telling you and you would be like listening to what they were saying and be like actually that's not true. Yeah. Actually, that pool hasn't been say, open. You know. Is this like is this like uh seeing the tour groups go oh, by the campus tours. Oh, yeah, exactly. the Oh, all the freshman dorms have air conditioning. What? <laughs> yeah, still mad about that. Yeah. My the place I lived that had the people who would hang your curtains also had a leasing office just like that with the package room in it. And it was all it was always weird because they were always talking to someone and you go in and like they'd have to get your stuff out of the closet. Well, I think I told you guys this story, but um, but when I was living in Houston, I went to the Netherlands for I think it was 10 days for a work trip. And during those 10 days, my apartment complex got sold from one giant multinational real estate company to another. And 100% true, I left, came back a week and a half later, and the leasing office had been repainted, all the signage has been changed, and all of the people were new and different. It was the most bizarre, because I'd already lived there for like a year, so I kind of like knew the people who were there, like they were very nice. And I came in and I'm like... Who are you people? What is going like all the signs were different? Um it was the they flipped that switch so fast it was staggering. Um and I was absolutely shocked. It was so it was like a, a twilight zone. It was very strange. <laughs> but not uncommon, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um what else is going on, gentlemen? Anything? 
Colby had a story. Oh, yeah. So, shortly before the show, my mom sent me a text message and said, Dad's laptop isn't working. He has a MacBook of some 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 dubious, I don't know, some years. Like many, many years. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a vintage MacBook. Well, what like, do they call those, the unsupported ones now? I don't I don't know if it's unsupported. It is aluminum. Like it's it okay. it mostly looks like the current style. Uh but I think it's like it's like a MacBook but before it like at least pre tiny MacBook. Mm-hmm. Um and so okay, so here here was the problem. It has not been resolved. So I told I told her that I would ask you guys to see if you had any thoughts on, okay. on what could be the matter. It's so I guess it froze. My mom like held down the power button, shut it off, like restarted it. It boots up to like login screen, but then you can't do anything else. And she's tried to like she tried to do like the start it in recovery mode thing. It doesn't do anything. Like, you can't use the mouse, you can't use the keyboard. That's it. It's just the login screen. That's all you can get to, and it seems to be frozen otherwise. You try resetting that PRAM? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I didn't tell her to do that. <laughs> Mom, reset the PRAM! <laughs> but this is where Mom. you gotta be funny about it and tell her to do ridiculous, like, put it in the freezer overnight. See if that, <laughs> you know, like, just like the most insane stuff you can think of. Yeah. Did you ever, you all guys ever hear about the uh, people putting their video cards in the oven for their computers? I do. Is this is this the loose chip thing from back in the day, or am I thinking of yeah, something yeah, else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the solder would get uh, loose, so if you heat it up and melted the solder, it would re re literally reset itself. Uh, yeah, the chips would literally pop right off because they weren't they weren't attached enough. Yeah. Remember when computer parts were big enough to pop off of other p- computer parts? <laughs> it just was. It Everything wasn't, just wasn't one big was part. A mini, mini, nano, micro. You can still get those. Good times. Yeah. yeah. So my my theory for what's wrong with the computer is that both the trackpad and the keyboard are broken. Hmm. Uh, do they have like a USB mouse or keyboard or something they can plug in? <laughs> that's, that's what I asked. They yeah. don't. Hmm. So wait, when, when they, they tried to keyboard. when they tried to boot into recovery mode, it didn't boot into recovery mode. Yeah, which Got could it. be that could be that something is wrong. It could also I remember booting into recovery mode being a little finicky. Like you got to press the buttons at the right time. I haven't done it in a little bit, but I don't know. If you hold Command S while booting a Mac, it will boot to the terminal. So that should give you a pretty good indication of whether the keyboard works. Mm-hmm. Boot to the terminal. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm also not there, so it's hard to remote. But we so rarely are. I know. <laughs> Well, that's is the, the, that is one of the great things about the remote parent tech support thing is when you can say, well, that's all I can do for you. Right. I'm all the way over here. I can't do it. I do that all the time. Where I it's like, know. you know, my iPad isn't. OK, uh, did you restart it? OK, did you turn the Wi-Fi on off? Yep. 
I'll have to look at it next time I'm there. <laughs> That's my line. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, you guys maybe think of a hypothetical question before we do get into our limited tech news. Um, sort of a thought experiment that I would like your opinion on. Because, uh, Colby, you were talking about old laptops and things like that. Do you guys have any affinity for, for like legacy laptops? And by that I mean, if in a hypothetical world, if Apple came out and said the the new MacBooks were going to take the new processors, the new screens, the all of the new technology, but we're going to put it in the original iBook, like bright colored clamshell case, would you would you buy that? Would you fall for the the, the nostalgic throwback technology? Colby's I, really thinking about it. I would say absolutely. I can think of several computers that this would work for, but I and I think for this to really be effective, you'd have to go with some of the unique. One, so I'm thinking like the 12 inch titanium power book. Do you remember that? The little little squat, the 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 pre tiny MacBook, tiny MacBook. Mm-hmm. It was I, thick, but it was super cool. I'm imagining the like multicolored, like bubbly iMac with the puck mouse. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh god, that mouse. I do think people have a lot of affinity for the plastic MacBook. Yeah, the, yeah. the plastic was a definitely a classic. I never had one though, so or like if that if, was my first uh, my first MacBook experience. If they came out with like an original iPhone, <laughs> but like but like no. with the new internals, no, now is I that like, too far? No, you get a lot more people like the 4S. Oh yeah, the case that was a great case. But to, to go back to laptops real quick, another one I would definitely get would be the uh those old um lenovo thinkpads with the yeah. chunky keyboards or the, uh, fo- the fold-out keyboards remember oh, remember those god. yeah oh my god uh, the fold-out keyboard i've seen so many gifts of that it's so satisfying but i've never <laughs> seen one in real life Yeah, I think it would be. I'm not. I'm surprised, or maybe there isn't. I don't know about it, but I wonder if there are like um, there's a, a th- any throwback PC like desktop cases you can get. Like when you build your own computer, can you get like an old compact 98? You know that that sort of bland looking uh, beige. I was just thinking about this because uh, I've been using my desktop computer a lot more since I've been stuck at home for going on three months now. And so, and I was reading about the new graphics cards, and I was like, oh, maybe sometime next year I would want to, like, get a new desktop computer. So I was looking at the cases, and there was a time a couple years ago when the, like, LED cases had not fully taken over. Like, you could get non-LED cases. But now you really can't. And I, and I had that thought. I was like, I would totally get, like, one of those old HP or Compaq or, or <laughs> Dell cases, Gateway. Yeah, e-machines. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, and just put it like a nice beige box. Like, I think one of the beige throwback boxes would be really cool. That would be fun. Or, remember, do you remember those school uh, computers that have in the schools that were flat? The, they call them the pizza box computers. Do you remember Do you remember these? Instead of it being a tower, it was like a tower that laid down on the desk. Yeah, I vaguely remember, yeah. Living in a New York City apartment, that is also super appealing. It's like 
yeah, I could just put my monitor on top of it. That sounds great. Yeah. I think yeah, there's a market. So this is this would be like the Super Nintendo Mini, the Mini Super Nintendo things. Is that what you're thinking? Like limited release nostalgia thing? Yeah, I'm surprised there isn't some like boutique PC builder that like does this to order. It reminds me of the people who used to take, and I always wanted to do this and I'm far too lazy, but who would take like the old like color iMac cases and turn them into aquariums. Oh, yeah. Like I always thought that was a great gimmick and I'm like, someone should like try and mass produce those. Uh, but I think someone should, uh, should do that with, with PC builds and just do throwback builds. I think that'd be awesome. It's definitely possible. Like if you could get your hands on one of those old cases used, well, ultimately you could put a computer in it. I found this article of somebody who did it with a, a 1995 IBM Ativa um, case. Nice. It's got a floppy yes. disk drive, and it's. I mean, it looks like a million bucks. This oh, thing can you looks link awesome. that? I put it in the uh, the, the Slack for oh. you. Um, I think I had pretty... one of those computers. That sounds familiar. I think that may have been our first computer. I mean, to be honest, if you can just figure out a way to attach the, I don't think it would be like that insanely difficult. Maybe I'll do that for my next my next desktop. Oh yeah, this looks very familiar, very similar to my old. Think that. Uh. Yep. I guess the downside of the the pizza box form factor these days is that no one's that you don't use a floppy drive or the CD ROM drive or anything. Right. It's not as convenient. Although I have a disk drive in my desktop, I use once in a while. I don't. <laughs> I almost bought for mine. You know, I was I was getting all the parts to build mine, and then like in the Newegg recommended stuff, they're like, "Oh, you can get like a floppy disk drive," and I'm like, "Oh, how fun would that be?" And I'm like, "I'd never use it, but uh, would be cool to look at." You could send people floppy disks, like. Well, that was one of my favorite. Know. So I have a. I actually do have a USB floppy disk reader that I actually do own, and I once was like. I was pulling some old files off some old floppy disks. I'm like, I don't even remember how much it holds. I like, I tried to put like one MP3 on it, and it didn't even fit. And I'm like, oh shit! Sorry, I forgot these are stupid small. What did you find on your? What were you taking off of the floppy disks? It was mostly old like DOS uh, Windows 95 computer games. I had a number of those on floppy disks, and I <laughs> I was able to play them. Uh, at least on Vista. I don't think I tried them on Windows. This would have been Vista era. Oh, that's so nice. cool. But yeah, they played, and I had some old photographs on some. What? On some, I knew I knew somebody back in the day who had an old Sony. This I love this again technology. It was a an early Sony digital camera that used floppy disks. So what? it was about it was about it was big and rectangular, about this big, and you would literally pop in a whole floppy disk. And so I had one with the original photos on it from that Sony camera. Oh, nice. My aunt definitely had one of those. Which I can't. Someone, someone had one. I can't those. imagine. That's like what half a megapixel. Like I can't even imagine what the resolution on those is. But didn't it? Like you can only fit like twelve pictures on a disc or something. Wait, it, it was, was like, not a lot. It was no. not a lot. No. Uh, what format were the images in? I don't. I don't. Probably JPEG. I mean, that existed back then. Uh, I don't think it, I, if I remember correctly, it wasn't anything like weird or exotic or I hadn't heard of before. OK, interesting. Because uh, the pictures worked. I mean, they loaded and and I could copy them off wow. the disk. Um, that yeah. would be a fun project. Find the 
oldest digital artifact that you created? I have a, an insane. I might. So I, you guys, we've talked about this before. I'm a I'm a file hoarder, um, and I never delete anything. And I have, I have stuff going back to like elementary school. That's uh, crazy. Which is kind of stupid, and I should just friggin' delete it. Um, and I don't know why I don't. Yeah, how much space does it take? Well, that's five megabytes. <laughs> no, not because <laughs> I mean, it's all like you know word files and stuff like that. I mean, it's not any kind of anything particularly sizable. But for some reason, it's like all backed up in my Dropbox. Like I'm ever gonna want it ever again. <laughs> um, I mean, I have PowerPoints here. Let's see if I can. Oh, you it. have it right in front of you. I have a well because it's in my drop. I have a PowerPoint from 2004. Wow. Called just called Medieval from middle school, and now presenting. Let's. Oh my Whoa. God, this is fantastic! I got to see if I can uh, share my screen here on these slides. Oh no, they're this is the <laughs> ugliest PowerPoint I've ever seen. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can uh, figure out a way to share this while we're talking because it really is. And I know this isn't fun the, for anyone listening, but the, the only. Uh... The oldest file that I know I have access to right now is like my first Google Drive files from I think 2007. Mm. If I recall correctly, that sounds about right. How do I, I feel sh- like I could probably go pretty far back in my like Gmail? That's true. I forgot about Gmail. Can you guys see my screen? Wow, look at that medieval texture. technologies. Oh, it gets so much worse. Your guide into the world of medieval math and science. Education. Places of education. I don't even remember. But look at some of these backgrounds, man. Oh, wow. Grammar. Rhetoric. Oh, rhetoric. Logic. Explain. Latin. Astronomy. <laughs> philosophy. I mean, some of these are just downright unreadable. One important fact. The church made the rules. Remember it. Now, that's a Sean Jennings slide right there. I mean, uh, Come on. You can't even read it. This is this is terrible. And you know what's really funny is probably about a year before this, I was the first student to ever use a PowerPoint in a class in my entire school district. <laughs> wow. Now, I, I, I almost hesitate to ask, but what is that little speaker icon beneath all of the slides? Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for noticing that. Um, the... The story behind that is, of course, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So I thought it would be clever to pre-record my voice saying each slide and then just play it. It did not work on the day of the presentation, so I had to do it real. However, apparently I have the wave audio files of me saying these things in 2004, which I have no way to play for you now. But I promise when we hang up the call, I will put one in. I'll put a couple of these in Slack. All these wow. little, little tiny wave audio files. Oh my god, I was such a dork. I mean, I still am, but I really was back in those days. Gross. Okay, well, we're a bit off topic here. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we see if there's anything in the news here worth talking about, guys? Oh man, sorry, I'm looking back in my my Gmail, and I'm I have like. Like college, like college application emails, like random colleges, like, hey, did you forget about us? What could have been? Right. Facebook notifications. 
so many college emails. Yeah. Weird. Um, while you guys decide what we're going to talk about, I do want to thank Zach Frisson, a longtime fan of the show in the chat, who has said very smart things, but we breezed past them so quickly that I'm not going to repeat them. But you keep talking to that empty void, buddy, and we'll keep listening. <laughs> Um, we've got some stories in here, Dropbox, Android TV, Facebook, um, or none of them, and we can just move on to picks. Always an option. Dan is muted. Oh, sorry, I was distracted by looking at old files. Um, reading through the list, reading through the list. Uh, Zach says, I'm pretty impressed that you could even open that modern PowerPoint. I mean, PowerPoint, I'll give Microsoft credit. Even like Word is like that, too. Like the old files usually open pretty well. They do a good job. But again, those were damn simple slides. Yeah, we need some animations to really. uh... Oh, I'm sure I have some awful, horrific animated (laughs) stuff. I used to go hog wild. Uh, I want to talk about I don't really have a story link for this. Uh, but this, like, the we don't know anything about the new video game consoles that are coming out, really, except uh, we know some stuff that I don't think matters, but we do know that they're, they're both talking a lot about hard drive speeds, which was never something I thought about. Have either of you read into this, uh, these, like, debates on this? Um, no, I haven't. No. The, the thing that they the PlayStation claims, and you know we can't really know for sure, uh, but the thing that they claim to be showing off is that because their hard drives are like ridiculously hard, their solid state drives or SSDs are so much ridiculously faster than even the fastest that like server grade SSDs, desktop SSDs that you can get. You it makes the graphics better because you're you can just load more data in and out much faster, so you can like run i don't even know how to describe it, like fly through a city and the textures are loading high resolution a lot of these times you're like doing one of these things like it kind of makes everything blurry and dumbed down uh and also back to the world of games starting instantly uh i was playing around this was a, a while ago with the uh an old like super nintendo thing and the thing that blew my mind was you you put you put the game in and you flick it on and it's it's you're instantly in the game like yeah. you flick the switch there's no operating system there's no booting uh all of which suck like writing games for a super nintendo is is really hard uh so it's exciting to get back to the point where you could flip the thing on and you're it's just instantly on and you're instantly in the game without having to like sit at a loading screen for it You've got the loading screen these days. You got the loading screen for the console to start. Then you have the loading screen to resume your pause game. Never mind if you're starting a game from scratch, forget it. But resuming your pause game, you've got the loading screen there. Uh, so I am pretty excited about faster storage. It, it didn't occur to me that that would make so many things better. Yeah. Uh, so based on some googling I did while you were talking, um, yeah, kind of different approaches between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. Um, 
the uh, Xbox has partnered with Seagate. Uh, they're going to offer one terabyte SSD standard, but with a custom one terabyte Microsoft expansion card slot. So essentially be like cartridges. You will be able to plug in and out a terabyte at a time. Um, the PS5 starts at 825 gigabyte SSD with sort of a, a, a standard SSD slot. But what's interesting is the PlayStation 5, they say, will have a 5.5 gigabyte a second raw throughput, uh, 2.4 gigabyte a second raw on the Xbox Series 10. So just an incredible amount of data moving uh, very quickly uh, but between these. It's not just the speed of the drive, but also the speed of the transfer um, going with those uh, the the 10 or 12 right. teraflop uh, graphic processors and their uh like last i checked the mo- the fastest ssd you could get was like 800 900 megabits on a laptop or on a desktop i don't know if that's changed but yeah they're in the ps5's hardware reveal it was said the load times in marvel's spider-man could go from roughly 15 seconds to roughly 0.8 seconds with the ability to virtually eliminate load times it's gonna be nice uh uh, another story, and it's probably maybe we should save this for next week. But another thing that that has been simmering in a lot of like tech nerd circles, like programmer circles, is how you see this with the Super Nintendo, and you see it with old computers too. Like those old computers were fast to do the things that they could do. Like you opened up a Word document, and you were you were just there. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't used Word in a long time, but I remember when Word got a splash screen. Word started loading like like Photoshop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so, and even it, people have done studies where they like measure how long it takes for you to press a character on a keyboard and have it show up on the screen, like from a Commodore 64 to now. And now it's so much slower. But the computers are on paper so much faster. Uh so uh, maybe these SSDs will come to computers and it will make uh, things that happen slow fast again. And we can all feel like our computers are just as fast as the Super Nintendo. Yeah, That's I mean, it, cool. it is one of those funny... I, I definitely don't pretend to understand how the internal parts of a computer work. Uh, if I did, I would be paid a lot more money. But... Um, but it's one of those things where where does the slowness come down? Because you read, well, it's got this many cores, it's got this many gigahertz, it's got this many throughputs, it's got this, you know, it's like it's got it's got it's got RAM, it's got SSD, it's got is it the cables you're using? Is it is it your motherboard? Is it the the controller? Is it the? I mean, there's just the the machines are so complex now. There's so many opportunities for you can have the fastest of everything, but like if you have a, an older eSATA cord you're not going to get the throughput, even though you got the fastest drive and the fastest processor, you know? Yeah. But even if you did have all the fastest stuff, it would still be slower. Yeah, well, and then right. you throw the software on top of it. <laughs> right. Right, which is where all the layers of abstraction come in and the security. Uh, did you see that story, Sean? I think Colby probably saw it, that uh, programs on your Mac take like take longer to start now than they used to because it, every time you start a new program uh it goes out to the internet and does like the apple virus check to see if this is like a known malware thing yep. it's crazy i, I swear that in i swear browsers have gotten a lot like the internet has gotten faster but browsers have gotten slower and chunkier than they used to be 
And I don't know if that's a result of web pages trying to do more or if it's the browser. You know, we didn't used to have multiple tabs running at the same time like we used. You know, it's it's those I sort of extensions and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, web pages do a lot of things. Ads, the, the, the internet ads, uh, they're doing ads. a lot of things. Brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. Alrighty. Well, that was a limited amount of tech news. Uh, why don't we go ahead and move on to picks? The part of the show where you just bring something we want to share with the world. And we've got a, quite a mix here in the rundown. And I'm going to go first today because I'm at the top of the list here. Um, there are a lot of fun things out there to do this summer. One of them, of course, is grilling. Uh, slapping the, those big steaks down on the grill, little, little nice sear. Um, everyone has their own way of judging how well their meats are cooked, but really there's no better scientific way than checking the temperature. Uh, that is how I grill. Otherwise, I would totally screw up constantly. And okay, no, no. The cat is reaching up and trying to grab the Hue light bulbs. No. <laughs> if you pull that down, someone will get hurt. Um... But the best way to do it is by temperature. It's foolproof, and there's, you know, FDA-recommended temperatures for cooking your food. Uh, I've picked up the Thermopop, uh, which is the wire cutter's recommended um, grill thermometer. Uh, and it's awesome. I use it every single time I grill. I actually loved it so much, I bought my father one for Father's Day. Um, so he can use it when he's grilling, because uh, he's a very crappy thermometer now. They're about 35 bucks each. Not outrageous. They come in a bunch of five color, uh, a bunch of fun colors. Um... I recommend you buy it right from Thermopop because they're kind of spotty getting them on Amazon. Uh, but they're great. And and honestly, they made a huge... Even even in your oven or anything you do that's temperature-specific with food, um, This it's super easy and light and nice to use. So the Thermopop by Thermoworks. What about this is better than other thermometers? Um, I don't know. The wire cutter set is better. I mean, you can tell that the, the build quality is very nice. Um... I have used other like super like ten dollar ones, and I think that the build quality isn't as nice. Um, and it's just nice to hold and look at. It's pretty to look at. No, I don't. I don't. I don't have a specific reason why right. I should buy this That's one fair. over any other thermometer. I um, bought the old wire cutter pick, and now I'm worried I'm missing out. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the other thing is a lot of people do the where you stick in the probe and you leave it in the food. And uh -huh. I don't love the, and those are usually a little more expensive. Some people really like those because it's kind of set it and forget it. And they even have those with Bluetooth and stuff and they buzz your phone. And honestly, I, I think for 35 bucks, you, you're, you get a good value with this and you just pop it in, you check it, you know, you don't have to leave it in there. It's not like, you're not going to wildly overcook it or undercook it. You're going to just be close and be like, it needs another couple minutes. So I, I think this will work fine for most people. Alrighty, Dan, what do you got? I'm I'm just fascinated by what you're picking here. So I'm picking an app called Tavor, T-A-V-O-U-R. Tavour? Tavour. 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 I like that. And this app is a little difficult to describe. It's like a beer of the month club, except you don't get a beer a month. Twice a day, you get a push notification that shows you a beer, and if you want, you can add it to your box, and then you get a box every six weeks of all the beers that you selected during those six weeks. 
Um, they have nice little blurbs that describe them and link to all the review sites and everything. Uh, but the advantage for me is, A, uh, I don't have to go outside. Uh, but B, they have a lot of beers from other parts of the United States. I haven't seen them from other parts of the world. Um, but, like, I haven't seen a single beer on there from the Northeast. So it's also, like, a bunch of stuff that I can't get or, in, in every case, stuff I haven't heard of. Uh, so I haven't gotten my shipment yet, but it's been a fun way to spend $7 a day sometimes, which I'm sure, yeah, after six weeks, we'll see. We'll see what that looks <laughs> like. Cool. That's cool. What does, um, I can't find anywhere what this costs. Oh, so you just pay for the beer. Oh, so it's, it's, it'll vary based on what beer you get. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, sometimes they have the big bottles. Those are, like, 20 bucks. But sometimes they just have the little cans, and those are, like, 6 bucks. I think it's you a... can get as many as you want. So you could you could get 12 of one if you find one you really like. It's an interesting uh, model. I like the idea of the notifications, and you sort of just add over time versus they sort of pick for you. Yeah, uh, yeah, you get control over it. Gives you a little something to look forward to <laughs> twice a day. <laughs> Damn. And I think six, you know, I did a wine of the month club for a little while and I just was buried and I couldn't drink it fast enough. So I think six weeks is probably a good, a good amount of, yeah. oh, this Plus, awesome. if, you, if you find yourself buried, you can just stop adding stuff to your box. Right. Right. Oh, this is great. Yeah. I'm definitely going to try this. Uh, Tavour, Tavior, Tavior, T-A-V-O-U-R. Check it out on the app store. Sweet. Alrighty. Colby, take us home. Okay. I watched this TV show called Devs. I'm not going to say that I liked it. <laughs> I I truly don't know. You just seem more confused when, than anything else. Yeah, there were times when I think I liked it, but it was interesting, and it was only eight episodes. It was a little, like, sci-fi-y computer stuff so it was kind of cool i heard about this from the the people who do the westworld podcast one of them was really jeeped up about it i think it's okay but like i don't know it's worth a watch since we're stuck inside i'd be interested to see hear what the two of you think of it what is, what is it on it's on hulu Hulu. Available on Hulu. Yeah, yeah. The uh, TV critics I I follow and keep an eye on have all been extremely positive about it, um, from what I've seen. Yeah, N- Nick Offerman is in it. Ron Swanson. He's sort of a bad guy. I don't know. I I don't like. I didn't like the beginning the first couple episodes and then like it got better and I sort of don't, don't like the way that it ended. I don't think. Okay. But I don't know. It was kind of good. There were some, some pretty, pretty interesting episodes in there. Worth a watch. Okay. I added it to the list. Yeah. Very cool devs. Check it out on the FX channel if you have cable or on Hulu. 
I, I tell you guys, I, I uh, in a move that's completely unsurprising, uh, it ended up blowing up in my face. I wanted to, so I have Hulu without ads, and I have Disney Plus, and they offer a bundle now where you can do Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus, and it's a, it's a little bit cheaper than doing them separate. So I said, oh, I'll just convert my bundle to that. Unsurprisingly, did not work uh, <laughs> because those services are not properly integrated yet. Um, and so now I think I'm actually actually paying for Hulu twice, but I do have Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. So nice. So it's costing you more. Is what it, you're honestly, saying. it is because what happened is I went to Hulu because Hulu was advertising it. So I go to the Hulu website. They said, "Oh, upgrade to a bundle." Like, great, I hit upgrade. They go, "You can't. You're already a Disney Plus subscriber. You have to do it through Disney Plus." So I go to Disney Plus. I go to do the upgrade. It says, oh, uh, authorized with your Hulu account. Won't let me do that. So I both have a Hulu account and a bundle through Disney Plus, and I cannot get them to, even though I use the same email, they haven't quite figured out it's the same. So what a treat. Real, real, real tough problem I'm having. Um, okay. Well, that wraps us up here. That's the end of the program, guys, unless you got anything else. Nope. Okay. <laughs> that's hey, look, that's plenty. I think we've talked enough. Uh, that wraps up here. Of course, don't panic.io is our website. Go there. We'll have links to all the picks. If you can't spell Tevior, um, we'll have the link there on the website, along with all the episodes. Of course, you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the great spots, YouTube as well for the video version. Uh, and of course, follow us at Don't Panic Show on Twitter and email us, Don't Panic Show at gmail.com. Uh, or leave us a voicemail for the phone number I, like, three years later, I'm still paying for because I cannot figure out how to cancel paying Skype. Uh, that phone number is 508-644-TECH. That's 508-644-8324. Leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it here. We're going to be back next week with some more tech news. Look forward because it's we're only, I, I think, about two weeks away from WWDC. So we'll at least have some... It's virtual this year, but they'll definitely a lot of big rumors about iOS fourteen, so or fifteen. Which one are we on? Fourteen. I think it's fourteen. 14. Uh, and next it. week is supposedly, barring and you know further societal collapse, is supposedly the PlayStation event. Also, yes. So we'll have that to talk about. A lot of exciting stuff. So it's it's always a jam packed June here on the show as we approach our something year anniversary. Because um, we started in June, so I think eight. I think it's an eight year, but I'm going to double check that. Uh, so it's a hell of a month. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, on behalf of Colby and Dan, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time for another Don't Panic. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Dan Miller, Colby Rabideau, and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.